Hear now a reading from the book of Genesis. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. And the Lord God made garments of skins for the man and for his wife, and clothed them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Old Testament's a book of judgment. The New Testament, a book of grace. You've heard that one. I have too. It's wrong. Yes, we find the law in the Old Testament. We find the prophets proclaiming God's judgment. But then in the New Testament, for example, we find Jesus' so-called woes in Matthew 23, six times. Jesus says, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, And if you've read any of Paul's letters, you know that he chides the less than faithful over and over and over. So when someone tells you they've got the Bible figured out, watch out. The Bible refuses to be pigeonholed, categorized. It's a complex book. And yes, there is judgment in the Old Testament, but grace starts early and happens often. Creation itself in Genesis 1 is an act of grace. This creation is God's unmerited favor. But when we get to the chapter for today, things turn dark and ugly, don't they? Remember several weeks ago when I reminded us that justice means getting what we deserve Mercy means not getting what we deserve, and grace means getting what we don't deserve. God's best intentions and hopes for humankind seem to be going down the tubes, don't they? Where is grace? Where is grace here? Well, to begin with, Grace is most sharply defined when sin is the issue. Nowhere, no place is the unmerited nature of grace revealed more than in God's response to our sin. 
Early in this story of humankind, Adam and Eve are seduced to believe that God really, really isn't as kind and beneficent as they have been told. The one thing that God warns Adam and Eve about, like a two-year-old, is the one thing that attracts them. It seems to negate all the good things that God has provided for them. So they ignore this extravagant kindness of God, what God has provided for them, and buy into the offer of a stranger who raises questions about God's character. And it continues to this day, right? And so they lose their innocence and become aware of their nakedness. Ellsworth Callis says, That their new sense of nakedness wasn't so much being embarrassed at being seen by the other as much as it was the uneasiness at seeing themselves. They now see themselves clearly. Adam wants to hide from Adam. And with this loss, there is also the deterioration of our communication Our culture makes it far easier to be physically revealing than spiritually or emotionally. We're afraid of becoming naked and being seen and known as we are. So, their answer and our answer in all of history has been to sow fig leaves for ourselves. But there are problems with fig leaves, right? They dry up, they crack, and they break. Like so many of our quick fixes, fig leaves are no fix at all. But fact is, not all fig leaves are ugly, are they? Some of them are very attractive, and that's what makes us want to wear them. We are creative in the ways that we cover ourselves. Some of us cover ourselves with church, with religion, with some kind of synthetic anesthesia. We fashion loincloths out of these things. We do a lot of things to hide from God, from ourselves, and from each other. And most of the time, I don't believe we worry about God's condemnation, but rather we worry about being caught. We worry about the thoughts of our peers, those kinds of things. More often than not, they're way too important. But if and when we face our failure, our sin, our falling short, our rebellion, when we finally do that, if and when, it's difficult to believe that God could care for us because we cannot even care for ourselves. And so we beat ourselves up and we refuse to accept the grace that God so generously offers. Did you hear the Colossians text earlier? As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also, so you also must forgive. You know what 
that depends on, you know what, the foundation, you know what, the ability to do that kind of thing, what, what enables us to do that? It's when we've accepted the grace. When we've accepted God's grace, then we can begin to imagine, perhaps begin to live out what Paul is inviting us, admonishing us to do. If we find ourselves to be judgmental, if we find ourselves unable to forgive, a good question for us to ask ourselves is, what are we wearing? Are we wearing fig leaves that crack and break? Or are we wearing what God's grace provides for us? And by the way, in coming months, you're going to have a new pastor. And that new pastor is not going to be perfect. And that new pastor is going to need grace from you. That new pastor is going to need your support and your prayers. That new, that new pastor is going to need you to say, what can I do to help? And then actually do it. And if you haven't received the grace of God, you can't offer it to your new pastor. But the good news is that even in the face of what Adam and Eve have done, God doesn't consider these two as lost causes. And the good news for us is if they're not, then there's hope perhaps for you and me as well. They have violated God's trust. They've chosen to believe in a stranger rather than the generosity of God. They have run and they have hidden from God. And how will God respond? With grace. Verse 21. And the Lord God made garments of skins for the man and for his wife and clothed them. Fig leaves just aren't enough. There's a coldness that has encircled these two, a distance from their creator, a distance from their best selves, and they need significant, serious protection, so God provides garments of skin. That's grace. While, while humankind chose and still chooses to this day to alienate themselves from God, God refuses to take that as the final answer. God relentlessly pursues us. And won't allow that relationship to be terminal. Years ago, we were in Edinburgh, Scotland, at, the muse at a museum there, and there was some clothing on display. It was something like sackcloth. It, in fact, to me, it looked a little bit like a Ku Klux Klan garb, except it was grayish-brown, if you will. And I don't remember the, the, the woman's name, but it said that a woman had been found to be an adulteress. And she was forced to wear this garb from April to October of one year as a sign of the shame of what she had done. Something like Hester Prine in Nathaniel Hawthorne's Scarlet Letter. 
She was forced to wear the scarlet A so that no one, neither her nor anyone else in the community, would forget her transgression. As Hawthorne wrote, the scarlet letter was her passport into regions where other women dared not to tread shame, despair, and solitude. These had been her teachers, stern and wild ones, and they made her strong, but they taught her much amiss. And so it was with Adam and Eve. Shame and despair. Until God comes to cover the scarlet letter with a garment. God the tailor fashions these kinds of grace gifts for us. And we tend to nurture our shame and fail to accept God's forgiveness. And therefore, we cannot forgive others. You know, the the hymn that we sang, the opening hymn this morning, is from my childhood. I remember it well. You almost sang it as well as those congregations in the 50s. Got a little work to do but you're doing well. And the offertory, no one ever loved me like Jesus. That was one of my mother's favorite songs. But the favorite verse in all of hymnody for me is the third verse of there's a wideness in God's mercy. You don't need to look it up because we're going to sing it in a minute. But the third verse is, but we make his love too narrow with false limits of our own and we magnify his strictness with a zeal he will not own. Thanks be to God. But grace, grace cannot be effective unless you and I have the humility to accept it. Grace is experienced when we acknowledge and confess our own unworthiness, our sin, our failure. Only after God confronts the two in the garden and they offer their confession of guilt, even though they do point the finger at each other, don't they? Only then can grace become operative in their lives. Only then. God, the fashion designer, makes clothing. And the shame from their wandering away is now covered. Thanks be to God. I talk with persons regularly living with guilt and shame. It's not always obvious, but it's present and real. The fact is we cannot cover our shame. We might for the short term, but fig leaves always wither, crack, and break. And we are naked again. Only God who fashions clothing 
that lasts can adequately cover us. And God does through Jesus, God's Son. It's the only covering, the only clothing that works. Yes, our clothing does make a difference. How are you clothed? Your own efforts, your own devices? Or have you allowed God to clothe you? It makes a real difference, a real difference. Amen.